It's the Eggship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Eggship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball. You can find, and also the Olympic sports. I should mention that. We got Zach Boyd covering the Olympic sports. He's done a great job with that. Um, really cool stuff happening with the Olympic sports and lots of good stuff over there. Uh, go to www.theagship.com. You can subscribe at the $6 tier for most of the stories, almost all of the stories, uh, cover story, preview, things of that nature, and the $10 tier for the film stories, the film breakdown, film review, pr- film preview for all of the football games. We'll have more of those during basketball season. Go on over to the Agship and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, I'm joined, of course, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man? How's it going? What's up, Patrick? Doing well. Um, doing better now that I have you on the line. Really hoping you can uh, talk me out of uh, overreacting to a couple things. <laughs> really hoping you can uh, help uh, heal my soul a little bit. But yeah. I'm feeling good. It's always good to be an Aggie, even after um, a loss like that. But hey, let's actually... Let's start with uh, some of the Olympic sports. This isn't on our on our notes, so I'm throwing a, an audible at you yeah. right now. But let's start with some good news before we get into uh, the drama of the weekend. Um, the biggest good feel good story of the week definitely being uh, Utah State women's soccer. Yeah, bringing the Cougars up to Logan and just beating them. The BYU was the number one team in the country at the time, and Utah State looked awesome. They uh, they got the one zero win. That was a great way to start the weekend for sure. That was super, super fun. Yeah, that is a um, that BYU women's soccer program is traditionally just excellent. Like you said, number one team in the country coming in, and uh, Utah State and, and head coach Manny Martins gets a, a really a signature victory for the program. They've been building towards it. They've not really had, you know, they've had success against BYU. I think he's two zero and one against the Cougars, if I remember correctly. Yep. But yep. this is uh, this is a marquee victory, and then some. You know, you, you beat the number one team at home. To be able to play the number one team at home is awesome. Uh, always love to see those in-state matchups, as we talked about before. Um, and uh, yeah, just just it was really, you know, a lot of the stuff that has been key for the soccer team for you know, a while now they have a, a really, really strong defense, uh, especially back at the in, in, in goal. And they played excellent on that side of the, of the field. They blanked BYU. Um, and then summer diamond, the, the freshman who just keeps making plays, keeps making things happen with a beautiful, uh, left footed goal from just outside of the box for what was eventually the game winner. Um, just a huge win, huge, huge win for that program. Really happy for them that they got this done. They have been close several times to pulling off upsets like this, and they were uh, they were finally able to put it all together. They got a great crowd for it. Um, just a really feel good you know moment for for that program and, and something that I think they have uh, they've deserved. I, I think they were due for something like this, and they they get the result that they uh, that they've been looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Summer Diamond, the the freshman phenom, she's is so definitely good. The, she she is really really good. She's definitely the star of this show. She deserves all the spotlight after this win. But I also want to want to throw a shout out to to Manny Martins as well. Yeah, uh, Manny Martins coaching the women's soccer team. He's he's a guy that's going to be overshadowed by uh, your Craig Smiths, your Ryan Odoms, your Blake Andersons. You know, you know men's basketball and, and football head yeah. coaching hires. But I mean, if you look at this, this hire, Manny Martins was about as good a hire as it, as you can make yeah. and absolutely just a home run hire. Manny Martins has been fantastic really since the day he stepped on campus. Uh, and like you said, they've been kind of working towards this uh, marquee victory since he's been here. Um, all of that success, all of that hard work definitely culminating in this week, uh, this win this weekend. 
Um, but yeah, Manny Martins is an absolute stellar coach and it was a great hire. Uh, real shame that that kind of stuff gets overshadowed and, yeah, uh, you know, to, to other sports, but Manny Martins is about as good as they come. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll shout out, I don't want to mispronounce her name. Um, the goaltender D I think it's Diera Diera Walton. Um, if I'm saying that wrong, please let me know. I, I want to get her name correctly. I don't see an, an immediate pronunciation guide just on a quick Google search, but, um, she has been excellent. She was absolutely tremendous in this, uh, in this match, uh, graduate goalte- goalkeeper. She had a season high six saves, um, I mean, she just, she stood on her head. She was fantastic. Um, 23rd clean sheet of her career. Uh, she's in sole possession of first place on the team's all-time shutout leaderboard. It just, uh, she, she's a star as well. Her and Summer Diamond really led the way. Um, just an awesome win. Really, really a, 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 an amazing outcome for that team. And like I said, one that they really deserved. Uh, so shout out to Manny Martins. Shout out to the Olympic teams. Um, great stuff. Very, very good to see that. And, uh, some, some good news for the Aggies on a weekend that, uh, otherwise in the marquee sport didn't go great. I would say we're going to talk here about the, the, the result on Friday, Air Force 39, Utah state 21. Um, you know, Utah state responds after, you know, after a, a pretty brutal, start really could not have started worse. They started this game down 29 to nothing. Um, and they won the rest of the game 21 to 10. But the issue for this team is as it has been, you know, they, they won the last 41 minutes, 21 to 10. They lost the first 19, 29 to zero. You just can't, you just can't do it. You can't have it. We talked about it with the Iowa game. Um, it's, it has been an issue. It remains an issue. And it was the number one thing that, that first, you know, as you just look at this game on the whole, it's just not starting well. They were, they were not ready to go once again, and they got uh, they really got blitzed by a very good, very impressive Air Force team. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at this game. Um, not really any of them are are good to be to be completely <laughs> frank and to be completely honest about how this went. Yeah. Um, but really, what it comes down to from the most broad perspective and from you know the 10,000 foot view what this really comes down to is rule number one when you play the air force falcons is don't start from behind they will make you pay if you do that that is the cardinal sin when playing the falcons utah state gave them 22 points in the first quarter and it was 29 to zero before the aggies even decided to start playing football yeah that's just something you would have to be playing just about perfect ball from then on to even make it competitive. And I think they did um, towards the end of the game, make it seem competitive, but there's just not enough football. If you're going to spot these guys, 22 or 29 points. um, Yeah. There was obviously a lot of, a lot of details that went wrong, but when it comes down to it, that's just, you're not going to win football games against Air Force if you spot these guys' points. It's just not going to happen. You can't play from behind against these guys. Yeah, you get uh, Utah State had in this game nine drives. You know, it's that's that's the way that it is against Air Force, and uh, especially in a in a situation where you're not really getting off the field, not really getting a lot of stops, um, and you know you start the game with three yard or three plays zero yards and a punt two plays negative 14 yards and a fumble four plays 14 yards and a punt four plays 52 yards and an interception five plays 24 yards and a punt that's it that's 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 it you can't you know more than half of the possessions did not end 
with anything productive. Two of them ended with turnovers and set Air Force up in pretty good field position. The second one, you know, Air Force just just churns down the field. But those quick change moments are in, incredibly difficult on a defense playing against the triple option. You're just you're exhausted, and Air Force is more than happy to play into that. And Utah State yeah. wasted too much time. You don't get. You just don't get that many minutes in this sort of game. You don't get that many snaps. And, and, you know, down the stretch, Utah State is able to, like you said, reconcile it a little bit and, and pull back within, you know, a respectable range. But even just in the fourth quarter, you know, Utah State makes it 39-21, and then Air Force just ends the game. It, it were eight minutes left. There were almost nine minutes left. It was 8.43 when Air Force took back over. Uh, after Utah State scores its third touchdown, and the Aggies did not see the football again. Air Force ran 13 plays, 59 yards, and burned 8 minutes and 43 seconds off the clock. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's yeah. how they get you. And, uh, yeah. and, this and was, by the way, it's, this is the Air Force game plan, and they did it. Yeah, it, it's been like this for forever. They're very good at it. Clock yeah. rules, they, no one benefits from the new clock rules as much as the Falcons. I think for the most part, the new clock rules, they you know the clock runs basically uh, more similar to NFL style. Um, for the most part, that makes a, a small you know negligible to small difference on games. Yeah. Not with Air Force. Air Force is I mean this team, no one's benefiting as much as these guys from it. So you just you just can't you can't spot these guys points. And I think you know coming out of halftime, there was that questionable you know the onside kick, which we'll talk about probably a little bit more as we as we get into the game yeah. but it's stuff like that that it probably leaves fans scratching their head but that's just one of those things where Blake Anderson knows you don't get possessions against these guys and if you you know you come out of halftime losing you got to try anything I don't know if that was the right call I don't know it's you know losing 39 to 21 there's plenty to, to question about um, yeah. but it's just it just goes to show how precious these uh, possessions are like you said, you give the ball back to the Falcons with eight minutes in the game, and it's over. Yeah, you know they they just they have the ability to burn that time, and it's uh, it's frustrating. It's hard to watch sometimes, especially when you're losing. But the uh, Air Force came in with a game plan, and they executed perfectly, and that's why they uh, yeah that's why they got to beat us pretty bad. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive in here to some of these details. Utah State starts the game on offense. We're not going to do a full play-by-play, but I think that the, the first quarter does deserve a pretty deep dive because, yeah, you know, yeah. Utah State comes out and nothing going on offense. Incomplete pass to Terrell Vaughn. Devon Booth is stuffed at the line. Incomplete pass to Terrell Vaughn punt. Um, there's, you know, this has been a problem for Utah State. The first drives of the game, the first quarter of the game, it has been an issue. It continues to be an issue of just not really not really setting the tone the right way, you know, coming out on offense and just coming up empty, not getting anything going, not getting into a rhythm. Um, and Air Force responds with a 12-play, 63-yard drive that takes almost seven minutes and pretty much doesn't go away from one play. It, it was, and this is a theme throughout the game, dive it was dive it was dive it was dive 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 it was fullback zone um they they doled out let me get the exact number here uh air force ran the ball in this game 64 times for 344 yards um and 43 of those carries went to owen burke and emmanuel michelle the fullbacks and they gained uh 216 yards and three touchdowns together that's it you if you don't get them off that first option they won't leave it and you know we talked about it in the preview 
Like that's that's where it starts is that you have to force Air Force off balance. You have to force it off schedule. You have to find ways to make big plays as a defense to make Zach Larrier beat you, um, which he threw the ball well. He was three or four for 84 yards. They didn't have to do it a whole lot, but Larrier carries the ball, carries the ball 10 times. John Lee Eldridge, the third, carries it seven times, and then a couple other guys get one touch, and that's it. You just they just ride the fullbacks. Those guys are good. Owen Burke is really really good at what he does. He averaged almost he averaged more than seven yards a carry. Um, Emmanuel Rochelle, tough to take down, and just uh, yeah, Air Force just dominated up front, and you know that was the theme throughout the first quarter, but it was really the theme throughout the game that if you don't stop them, they won't stop. <laughs> it is not Air Force is not going to. It's not going to outthink itself with calling plays on offense. If the fullback is what's working, they're just going to keep giving it to the fullback, and Utah State never really found an answer for it. Air Force is, they're very disciplined on the field. Their coaching staff is very disciplined. Whatever's working, they're going to take it. They're not going to get more creative than they have to. Yeah. Um, and you're you're absolutely right. Utah State's first quarter was was terrible. That has become That has become a theme, unfortunately, throughout the entire Blake Anderson era. Um, I think it's no secret to fans. It's no secret to us as, as we've, we've watched. Um, and so I went back and looked at basically every first quarter since Blake Anderson got here. And it has been a theme. Uh, yeah. U- Utah state has scored first in the 30 games that Blake Anderson has been here. Utah state has scored first 11 times. Yeah. And in the first quarter, Utah state has been outscored 131 to 240. Yeah. Just an absolute hallmark of this Blake Anderson era is not being able to start games efficiently. Um, that's been a huge issue. And keep in mind, during that time, the Aggies are 18 and 12. Yeah. Um, the Aggies have been pretty good throughout that time. In games that they do score first, those 11 games, they're 9 and 2. Yeah. So this is a really good team. But if you look at that first frame, 131 to 240, you would not guess that this team has a winning record, and they do. And, in fact, that first year that he was here was was dominating. I mean, th- these teams have been really quite good. Yeah. Um, bowl eligible to the two years that he's been here, um, but just really becoming a huge, huge problem that the Aggies just can't come out of the game ready to play, and I don't know what it is. It's offense. It's defense. Um, even looking back to the Idaho State game, I'm not uncomfortable with the fact that Idaho State has four touchdowns, but they scored on their first drive, which yeah. is a little bit concerning. And, you know, Blake Anderson was 2-0 and against the Falcons coming into this game, now 2-1. and Knowing how slow Blake Anderson's team start, that's actually very shocking to me yeah. um, because of the way the Air Force plays. They like to take a lead. They like to sit on it, as we saw yesterday, this past weekend. Um, and that seems like a game plan that Blake Anderson's teams would be very susceptible to. He has had success against the Falcons before, uh, but that finally catches up to him uh, in, in this game. Blake Anderson's team, again, comes out very flat offensively and defensively, and these these guys just take a lead and they sit on it. That's what they do. So really a huge issue that I think is bigger than just this one game. I, and again, I hope I'm not overreacting. And I went back and got the numbers to to kind of, talk myself out of overreacting, but I really do think this is becoming an issue that we've, we've all noticed. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's, there's a thing to it. There's a couple of different ways to, to look at this on either side of the ball offensively. Um, you know, I, I think you can, I think there are fair arguments to make about the play calling, not being 
as much, you know, as as advanced, as impressive, as dynamic as you would want it to be on those Absolutely. on those traditionally scripted drives. Um, I have not actually. I've seen people talking about Anderson saying that he doesn't script his drives. I've not seen him say that. Um, I you know I wasn't here in 2021. He might have said it then. I've not personally heard that. I cannot say you know definitively that that is the case. Um, that is something that that some guys do. That is something that some offensive guys do, uh, especially those within this scheme. They like to take what the defense gives them, and it's kind of hard to plan out what the defense is going to give you because you don't know. Um, and, and so yeah. that that's not you know unheard of, and it's not something that doesn't ever work. Um, this is you know. Anderson has had success with it before. Coaches have had success with it before. I do think that with, you know, what he has said several times is, a you know, correctly, an inexperienced team, a team that's going through growing pains and struggling with mistakes, it might be good to give them some structure early in the game. It might be good to consider, you know, working that around a little bit and, and planning things out just a little bit more for the offense to get it into a flow. Um, I, I think that with a true freshman quarterback, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, that could be really important. Just giving him things that he knows, giving him things that he's seen before, giving him things that he knows where he's going with the ball or, or roughly where he should be going, what the read should be. And, uh, you know, adjusting to what the defense gives you has worked really well for Anderson throughout his career, but there is a time and place that you need to be the one setting what the defense is doing. You need to be the one who is getting out in front of the defense. And I think that Utah State has not done a particularly good job of that. Um, it does later in games. Utah State finishes games really well, which is why it still has that good record, you know, that winning record, despite those slow starts. But it is hard to, it's hard to look at that. It's hard to look at them just playing these games and, and watching it and not have the thought of like, boy, how good could they be if they just played all four quarters? <laughs> you know, how good could they be if they didn't get blown off the ball in the first quarter and then have to come back? How much better would that record be if you took that nine and two and extrapolated it over 30 games, it would be really good. And that's not exactly how football works. Extrapolation in this sport is, is, you know, guesswork. It's, it's not scientific. It's not real, but it is still hard to, you know, just logically speaking, playing four quarters is better than playing three quarters. Objectively, you get and, and yes, yes, Utah State has had a lot of issues with that, especially last year. And, and we're seeing, you know, the same sort of things this year. Well, yeah, and, and it would be really easy to look at that, you know, the the record, the slow starts in the record and say, okay, well, in aggregate, it's not really hurting the team that much because they still have a winning record. They've still been bowl eligible every year. Yeah. They still won the Mountain West Conference. Um, but again, that's not how it works. That's not really how this data works. It's, it's, sure, in the aggregate, we have terrible first quarters. We have good seasons. Playing four quarters is still objectively better than yeah. playing just good practice. Yeah, it's just a good practice. Yeah. It's a it's a better it's a it's it's you know it's the difference between, um, you know, uh, getting doing something even if it doesn't really make sense and still being successful and approaching it the right way and doing things usually how fo- you know how things are done in football. It's it's just uh, it's better to play four than three. It's just it just yes. is. It's it's uh, we're we're I think we're even maybe complicating a pretty simple thing here, which is just that even if the approach is successful of coming back of winning the game later on, it's just good practice to not do that. It's good practice to not put yourself in that situation. There's never ever yeah. in football a circumstance where it's better to be behind than in front. It's you don't 
that's not how that's not how it works. You want to have the lead. That's better in football than not having the lead. Yeah, and it doesn't take long to find really concrete evidence of that. I think this game this past weekend against Air Force is a great example of that. I I mean, let's be honest, this is something that we haven't said yet in the entire show, which it goes without saying, but let's get the, you know, let's get this out there. Air Force is really really good. Yeah. Um that, that I, line. Let, let me be clear. Well, yeah. Air Force is fantastic. Both of those um, lines, man, are nasty. Nasty, yes. nasty fronts that they have. Maybe the best I have ever seen at Air Force. I think they're going to go a really long way this season, and it does it does merit saying that. I have not uh, I've not seen an Air Force team this complete. Um, I'm still worried about their secondary, but other than like Fresno State, I don't know who in this league is going to take advantage of that because those lines are so good. Yeah, no, Air Force is fantastic. Um, but again, do I think that they are this much better than Utah State? Do I think that they're a 39 to 21? Do I think they're that much better? It's tough to say. I mean, obviously the evidence would say yes, because that was the score. Yeah. But I really do think Utah State is a better team than this. And a lot of it comes down to playing that first quarter. I, I really do think that if Utah State plays four quarters the way they played two, three, and four, this game goes very, very differently. Yeah. Air Force still very well might come out on top. They are really good, but Utah State, this could be a one-score game. Yeah. Um, and so I, it doesn't take long to find evidence of, hey, playing four quarters is better than three. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I mean, enough about that. I mean, that, I mean, we're we're stating the obvious here. Um, what about that? I and mean, one thing about that first quarter that was so painful and that really contributed to such a slow start was the elephant in the room. Let's get to it. Yeah. The quarterback play. Um, yeah. Another pattern I think that we have seen since Blake Anderson has been here is um, maybe some indecisiveness at that quarterback position. Um, yeah. Maybe some, some disappointment. I, again, I'm trying to, it's hard to say that there has been much disappointment when, again, we've we've had good teams. We won the Mountain West Championship, but this has been a question mark uh, for a while now. It was a question mark in twenty one with um, a recovering Logan Bonner versus Peasley coming. You know, in that quarterback battle, came well into the season. Um, it was a question mark last year with a much less healthy Logan Bonner. Who, I mean, I, I let me be clear about this as well. Logan Bonner is a fantastic quarterback his health was a huge concern last year. Yeah. Um, there was question marks all year with, with Logan Bonner versus Cooper Laga. And now we have again, more question marks with Cooper Laga. Obviously uh, you've alluded to it. Everyone, you know, everyone who's seen this game or, or read the recap is well aware. Cooper was benched early in this game for in favor of the freshman McKay Hillstead. Yeah. And as of right now, Blake Anderson has made it, official McKay Hillstead's the guy yep um definitely a question mark definitely a huge thing that was you know contributing to that slow start what did you see game time like what were you seeing with with Cooper with McKay uh walk me through your perspective of that first quarter and uh, and beyond yeah, so I'll start with Cooper, um, and uh, I, I've got you know sort of a, a spiel down on Cooper and. We've talked about some of this stuff before. I've talked about some of this stuff before. Um, I, I think that to say that it has not been a concern would be, you know, uh, changing the facts retroactively. This, the passing attack, even as 
Utah State was winning last year. And even as Utah State was was rebounding from a really bad start and finding its way to a bowl game and, you know, bouncing back from, from one and four and, and, you know, Cooper went, I think, you know, he had a he had a good record <laughs> in the regular season. I don't remember exactly what it was, it was like four or two four and four and one or five and one or something like that. Um it was good. He had a good record and, and he finds ways to win games and I think that there are a lot of Utah State fans who are very attached to him for good reason. He's he's a really he's a really fun player and he's won a lot of football games and he's done it in a lot of very memorable ways. You know, he comes in and wins the bowl game when Logan Bonner goes down and uh you know, he he steps in last season after Bonner goes down and finds ways to will the team to victory and and finds ways to turn around what had been a really disastrous start to the season. Um and all of that has to be said. Cooper Lega deserves his due for the player that he is and for the the you know the leader of the team that he is. I think it is you know also at some point you have to talk about football when you talk about Cooper Lega. You have to talk about football when you talk about how he fits within Blake Anderson's system, and you have to talk about football when you talk about why he got taken out of this game and why he's not the starting quarterback moving forward. And I think that it's a very simple answer. Um, he doesn't fit what they're doing at all. He just doesn't. And it's not, you know, entirely his fault. I don't think it is his fault. He, he committed to Utah state under a different coaching staff. He was recruited to be a different guy and he's always been a different guy. Even at high school, he was not this player. He was not an air raid quarterback. He was not an air raid adjacent quarterback. He is a, you know, he's a playmaker. He's a guy who can extend plays. He can, you know, make plays with his legs. He can, find ways to make things happen, but he was not a gunslinger in high school. He was not somebody who's executing this this ridiculous high-octane passing attack, spreading the ball all over the place, hitting routes on time. He's not a rhythm thrower. He's something different. And Utah State has done a, a lot of work, and I think given him a pretty fair shot here. I think he had a 12-game sample size, roughly, as, a, as the primary quarterback. And it you know the 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 conclusion has not been set until this point but i think it was pretty clear for much of last season and into this season that what they're asking him to do is not something he can do he is you know if you want him to be the guy who spreads the ball around he can do that if you want him to be the guy who cuts down on turnovers he can do that he can't do both it's not in his nature it's not the way he plays he's thinking too much and you can see it on the plays you can see him thinking too much you can see hesitation in pulling the trigger, and that's what Blake Anderson talked about. He's jittery. He's fidgety. He's not comfortable, and it's not his fault. He's This is not his offense. This is not his system. I think Utah State has, has given him a fair chance to, to pick it up. I think that, you know, you could say Utah State's offense should adjust more to its personnel, should find a way to make it work, and I think that they, on the fly last year, honestly did a pretty good job of that. I know that people don't don't have many positive things to say about what that offense did last year, but that they managed to close the season the way that they did was a testament to their adjusting on the fly, to their willingness to add his legs into an offense that just isn't necessarily built like that. Logan Bonner made some of those plays in 2021, but he was a passer. He was a rhythm passer. And Cooper Lagas not. He's just not. And I, I, I think that, you know, it was it was time. I think it was pretty clearly time. This passing attack has not been what it was supposed to be last year at all. It never was, even when they were winning. And it certainly hasn't been this year. It's just 
it looks disjointed. It looks like a you know an offense with a quarterback that doesn't fit what they're trying to do with with mismatched personnel. And I think it was time. I, I you know I, I feel for Cooper. I think that you know I, I hope he gets a chance somewhere. I don't think it's going to be at Utah State. I hope he gets a chance with with a program that fits him with with a, a system that fits him. There are a lot of schools that would be very happy to have a guy like him. But if, for Utah State with what Blake Anderson wants to do. It just doesn't fit, and it really never has. And I think it, it came to a pretty logical conclusion here with just he wasn't comfortable. He wasn't making the throws that they needed him to make. He's forcing it. He's not, you know, he's not in rhythm. He doesn't he doesn't have the capability of doing what they want him to do, and I, I you know, I think it was time. Yeah, clearly something had to give on this offense. I mean, when you're – even looking into last year, they were finding ways to win games, but it wasn't pretty. Nobody has anything good to say, yeah. like you said, about the offense last year. Um, this year seems to be a continuation of that. It's tough because the first two games are not games you can really pull a valuable sample out of. Um, but clearly something was off about the offense. But what do you say to people who might be, you know, and again, I'm, I'm still – I'm figuring out where where I come down on all this. I'm I'm pro Utah State. I'm not <laughs> I'm not in one person's camp or the other. I want to win yeah. football games. Yeah. Um. But what do you say to people who are are a little bit more sympathetic to Cooper and say that he never was given um a fair shot under Blake Anderson last year? Uh, and again, I I really do love Logan Bonner. I love what he was capable of doing. Um. In fact, if he wants to put on a headset and come you know, get, find a place on our sidelines. I don't think there would be, would be many things that would make me happier. Yeah. Um, I'm I, very grateful for what he did in 21. I will say but, real quick on that. Good shot of that happening at some point. Just, just I, you know, yeah. breadcrumb there. Just good chance of that happening at some point. As long as, as long as Blake is a head coach, I, I would put the odds very high of that. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so nothing against Logan Bonner, but it's, it, it there was, he was not healthy last year. Um, no. it made, it made it very easy to game plan against Utah state because Logan Bonner could not run. He could not scramble. He, he was out there to do one thing and it was to throw the ball. And he wasn't comfortable um, doing that either. It, it and was, he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, he was not his comfortable. His mechanics were off because of an injury. Yeah. And, and, and again, this isn't on Bonner. This is on his coaching staff that allowed him to be out there and sacrifice his body in a way that I thought was inappropriate at the time. I mean, I was on the sidelines last year and I would watch him get sacked and the lineman would have to come up two at a time and pick him up and prop him back on his feet. Um, It was not fun to watch, even just as a person watching him take that beating. All of that aside, he was still our starting quarterback. He was throwing five picks a game. Again, not because of a lack of talent. He showed us how talented he was the year before. Last year, he showed us how tough he was. But he was throwing five picks a game and and Blake would not go to Cooper. Uh, By the time he does go to Cooper, we're halfway through the season. We're, we're well into the season. And then this year he, uh, he, it sounds like he was splitting snaps pretty significantly with, with Levi and, and, and McKay. Yeah. Um, how do you address that? And after the game, Blake said that McKay had been getting 20% of the snaps. And so if, if he's getting 20 as the third string, how, you know, what percentage is Levi getting and what's that leaving Cooper? If you're the starting yeah. quarterback and you're only getting half the snaps, half the reps during practice, that's, that's an issue, right? So what do you say to that? Uh, and again, I know that there's there's fit issues and there's so much going on that the fans don't see at practice and, and whatnot. But um, 
what do you say about that, that, that Cooper really never was given a, 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 a fighting chance here? Yeah, so for, for reference on what Blake said, he did say uh, McKay was at about 20%, Levi was about 20%, and uh, Cooper was at about 60%. Um, I, I think that it is, it's one of those things where the side that you come down on is probably going to be the side that you come down on forever. I don't know that I'm going to convince people who are who are, you know, uh, who are inclined to that, that, that it was, you know, that, that circumstances were different. I, I think that you can see it however you want. I think if you're a Laga guy, you can see that. You can see that the circumstances were never ideal. Um, I think that if we're talking about it just not sentimentally, just from a perspective of this is how it is, this is how it, it you know, and, and whether you like it or not, this is how it is. Blake Anderson's not going to change his offense. He's just not. He he's he's not. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's he's he's been doing this for a long time. He's been running this offense for a long time. He said after the game, I think to kind of preempt all this stuff, he's been doing this for thirty years, and yeah, yeah, he's not going to change. He's just not. And you know, if you don't like his offense, you don't like his offense. <laughs> but I, it's 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 a function thing. It, it's a matter of. For what Blake Anderson wants to see from his quarterbacks, he has seen enough from Cooper Lega. He has seen a lot of starts, even if it wasn't as many maybe as he should have gotten last year. He has seen a lot of reps, even if it wasn't as many as he should have gotten. And I think, honestly, it's sort of a chicken and egg situation of the reason that Cooper Lega had those diminished snaps is because what Utah State had seen from him was not what it wanted to see. And it, it was... It, you know, setting the stage for this, for this move eventually, because Anderson had, you know, in his mind, he had seen what he needed to see and wanted to give Cooper the chance. Um, I think that this decision has been just about made for a little bit longer than we're privy to. <laughs> I think that just, right, you know, right. this is, this is a longer thing than this. There's a reason that McKay was getting 20% of the snaps in fall camp, that Levi was getting 20% of the snaps, that Utah State was apparently very closely monitoring what they did against Idaho State in the second half. Um, they've been considering this because Levi, or not Levi, Cooper, you know, to a point, he is who he is. And I, I think that they were looking, the, the number one thing that they were looking for this offseason and into this season is, can he be somebody else? And the answer is no. And is that fair to Cooper? I don't think so. You know, it, it stinks. It stinks. It's a bad situation uh, for, for the kid, and, and you feel for him. Um, it's uh, it's tough. He's, he's, like I said, he was recruited by a different staff to do a different thing. And yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was thrust into some, some situations that were really difficult with replacing, you know, injured starters. But football is football, and like you said, the number one priority is winning football games. And if they don't think they can do that with Cooper, there's no reason to play it out. There's no reason to to let it linger for the sake of trying to get, you know, the fairest possible result. If you don't think he can do it, you don't think he can do it. You can't, you know, you can't toss out a quarterback who you don't believe in. And it's pretty clear that Utah State doesn't believe in him and hasn't seen what it wanted to see to have that faith. It, it, I think it gave him a shot this season to see what he could do. Um, he didn't, you know, didn't make the throws that they needed him to make against Iowa. Concerningly, I think, didn't really make them against Idaho State either. And that was it. I, I you know, if, if he comes into this game against Air Force and doesn't look what, you know, doesn't doesn't step up, doesn't handle it, they were going to make a change. Blake said as much. 
and the the lease was short. And I, I know I can say confidently, I know this, Cooper was aware of this. It's not like he was blindsided. He knew that this was a possibility and it just didn't work out. And sometimes, yeah. you know, football isn't fair. It's, it's, it is what it is. And, you know, you, you, you can feel bad for the guy personally, but if Utah State wants to win football games, I think it would be, honestly, at this point, pretty hard to argue that Cooper Lagaz is the guy to do that at quarterback, just for what they want to do, for the way that Utah State wants to win. He's not it. He's not the guy. And, you you know, you can you can argue against the way that they want to win football games, but I don't think you can argue against the fit. It's not, it's just not there. Right. And time will tell in very short order. Um, we'll talk about this later this week, but the uh, JMU coming to town is a big one. So time oh, will yeah. tell very quickly. And the other note on that is for better or for worse, this is all on Blake. Yep. Um, he he made the decision in the offseason. He's got to, all three hats on too. He's it's not yeah, like yeah. oh, there's the quarterbacks coach made this call. That's him. It's it's yeah, all no, him. It's it's him. He made the decision to to not bring in an offensive coordinator. Um, so he's he's the offensive coordinator. He's the head coach. He's the quarterbacks coach. Like it's all on him. Um, so for better or for worse, I mean, he knows he's he's got skin in the game. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll I will also say, I mean, <laughs> it's clear. This should be clear to fans. It's obviously not. By the way that. Uh, some fans talk, and I think we have a pretty good fan base. Honestly, I mean, that's clearly biased, but yeah, um, there's obviously more going on. I mean, it, it is not fair to Blake to say, "Oh, well, he was, you know, Cooper was pulled after just a couple, uh, just one drive or two drives or whatever. It was just a fumble in the interception." Obviously, that's not true. There's so much more going on. Cooper knew it was a short leash. Yeah, um, and I will say, I mean, I, I am very excited to see what what McKay can do. Far be it from me to wish to see. Cooper have success in another Jersey, but you know, the transfer portal does benefit kids like this. He was recruited to a different program. Yeah. Um, and you know what, if he, if he does decide to transfer, I think he's at this point, everything would indicate that he's leaving on good terms. Uh, he better work hard for the rest of the season and, and do whatever he can to make us, you know, make us successful. But at the end of the season, if he makes a decision to transfer and go take his talents to a team that can, uh, fit his his style of play a little bit better uh that's great um you know what and as long as it's you know even andrew peasley when he's not playing utah state i'm rooting for the kid yeah um so you know transfer wherever preferably outside of the conference but you know um i do want to see him have success but first and foremost i want to see utah state have success yeah um and i do think i i do think as much as you like cooper as much as he's a winner mckay i think is the guy and i and i do think moving jumping levi in the depth chart to mckay was huge for me yeah but uh, that still leaves me with a question and here here's the here's another bone i have to pick with blake um i i try not to be too critical of blake because clearly he knows what he's doing better than me but what so when we pull cooper and we go to mckay mckay is the only mckay is the only person in the offense or the only quarterback to move the ball at all yeah we get to the goal line and we pull him again <laughs> and go to Levi. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I was so, I was disappointed in a lot of things this game. This is where I, th- this moment is where I tipped from disappointed to very frustrated. And again, this is all on Blake. He is the guy, he's the coach. He's the awesome offensive coordinator to pull out Cooper. Fine. Probably should have been done to pull out McKay. McKay was moving the ball. Yeah. And then Levi comes in, stalls a drive. 
because Levi has one job. If you if you see Levi on the field, you know what he's doing. Yeah, it's I mean, not it's not end, a hard right? scout. A, no, it's not a hard scout. He's a tight end in a, foot, in a in a quarterback jersey, and so he stalls a drive. Yeah, Utah State is bailed out by a rare Falcons penalty. They they face you know it's a face mask penalty, fresh set, and finally McKay comes back in yeah. and and scores. Um, here's my frustration and here's where I'm coming from. If you're going to pull Cooper, that's fine, but pick a guy and go with it. You know, yeah. why are we running three quarterbacks in the first quarter? Uh, and Levi didn't even work. I've, uh, yeah. to be fair, I've probably been overly harsh on Levi since he's been here. I've never seen it. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. He would, he, he really, he's a fantastic athlete, but I did not understand that move. It didn't work. What was, what was going on there? Yeah, I, I mean, I think frankly, just just sight unseen with Levi. I think we have seen enough to say this pretty comfortably. Utah State does not know how to use Levi Williams. No, <laughs> Utah no, State, <laughs> Utah State has tried a lot of different things, and none of them have worked with Levi Williams. I think he is another guy who just functionally does not fit within what they want to do. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. He's an easy scout, like I said. When he comes into the game as the defense, you know what he's doing. He's running the ball, um, and I think that that is maybe uh, reductive of what he's capable of doing from Utah State, but it's obvious that they don't want him to pass. Um, yeah, the, the box score here, I think, tells it pretty well. You get the drive that starts at 636. Defense had just gotten its first stop of the game, got off the field, I thought looked pretty good on that that drive. Anthony Switzer comes in and they get a stop. We're going to talk about Switzer a little bit as well. Um, but uh, Utah State gets, you know, send, sends McKay out there and you get seven-yard gain, four-yard loss with a penalty for 15 yards, so first down. Um, McKay runs for 18 yards, Davon Booth for five, for seven, one yard loss. Um, this is now down at the goal line. They're on the 10, uh, from the Air Force 10, second and goal. McKay complete to Davon for nine yards, and then they take him out of the game for Levi. Third and goal from the one, Levi, zero yard rush. Uh, Terrell Vaughn, negative three yard rush. They bailed out by the face mask. Levi, negative one yard rush. Levi, incomplete to Terrell Vaughn. Hillstead goes back into the game. First play is a screen complete to Terrell Vaughn for a touchdown. You just don't need to do it. You just don't. It's, it's getting too cute with it. Just ride the hot hand. And I think that, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I hope that that's a, it's a learning point, that it's a lesson that you don't need to make it more complicated. This offense, the last thing that this offense needs right now is to be making things more complicated on itself, is to be overthinking itself. Just go with what works, man. What works has been yeah. hard to find. And... Once you have it, you don't need to mess with it. I, I think let sleeping dogs lie with this offense. If it's working, just do it. And it was working with Hillstead. It, it was. The, the, you know, they were running the ball pretty well on that drive. There was a threat to pass. There was a threat to, to do the quick pass. Air Force was backed up a little bit. Um, just stick with it. And, and, and they did for the rest of the game. They, you know, McKay didn't leave the field again. Um, and, uh, and it worked. Yeah, and the yeah, offense yeah, looked better. But, but yeah, just don't do it. Just don't, it's not worth messing with. The, the, the potential think, benefit is not there. Yeah. I think there's an added frustration. We talk how valuable possessions are against Air Force. Yeah. Well, the same can be said about plays. You don't get that many snaps a game against Air Force. Yeah. Um, and so to see Blake just waste, was it five snaps for Levi? Six snaps? Uh, let's um, see. One, two, three, f- four snaps. And they were all. Uh, either four losses snaps. or incomplete passes. <laughs> yeah, four snaps for a negative total yards in a game. I mean, that's that's precious, precious time. You're not getting to the red zone often against these guys. McKay got you there. Um, I think there was some added frustration there because it was it was ridiculous to see that. I was very, like I said, I was very frustrated. Yeah. 
uh, with uh, that. I think I was, like I said, disappointed in a lot of things, very frustrated in, in, in that particular yeah. drive. It, it sounded like uh, <laughs> the announcers wanted to come out of the booth and strangle him. They were, yeah. they were so mad. I, <laughs> Tur- I, I Turbo was, was just furious, just trying, seething, Turbo trying to talk amazing. through it. <laughs> this just doesn't make sense to me. He was as diplomatic the... as he could be about just a disastrous situation. Turbo was by far the best part of that game. And I, yeah, yeah, I remember watching that part and Turbo is, he's getting fired up as a running back. He's like, <laughs> give the running back the ball. And he's also frustrated as, as not necessarily a closet Utah State fan. I, he kept it very professional, I will yeah. say, but. He's he's sitting there. He's he's he watching has, his yeah. former team just yeah. flail. He has his affiliation. The, the, the yeah. running back, and it's like he's he's got this double you know double barrel rage that he was trying yeah. so hard to suppress, <laughs> and he was all of us in that moment. Like give the take yeah. Levi out, put McKay in, give the ball to the running back and score. Like this is ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. Turbo was fantastic. Turbo was great. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was my biggest frustration. My last note on Hillstead that I will say. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll sing his praises all day long, but the one note I would say is um, we've seen this before with a third-string quarterback. I mean, Lega, in, in fact, was uh, a third-string quarterback when he went in in the bowl game last year. Yeah. It's worth noting that opposing teams don't scout the third string very heavily. Yeah. Um, and that, that can often play into our favor, play into the, you know, McKay's favor. Um, he will be scouted more heavily going forward. Clearly, as a starting quarterback, uh, there won't be much. There won't be much film at first, but uh, that that will be. That's just a note that I'll throw out there: is he probably wasn't scouted very heavily. Good quarterbacks make teams pay for that. I mean, it would be very easy as a third string to go in and you know kind of squander that opportunity. You're you know third string for a reason. Yeah. McKay did a fantastic job of taking advantage of that, but I will say, uh, good chance that Air Force was not watching a lot of film on McKay going yeah. to that game. Yeah, and it goes both ways because, you know, you you have Air Force not really watching him and they have good reason to do it because he hadn't played all that much and he was getting, you know, third string snaps. He was splitting second string snaps with Levi in practice. And so it does cut both ways of teams can prepare for McKay more, but McKay can prepare for teams more as well. You know, there's there's it's, it's a limited yeah, it's yep, a, it's true. a limited playbook for him right now. He's only seen so many things. He's only done so many things. And so it uh Utah State has to have that, you know, his learning curve has to be quicker than the learning curves of, of defenses that they're going up against. It's it's a pretty simple equation there. Utah State's line has to be going up quicker than, than the defenses that they're yep. going up against. And if you have a good quarterback and if you prepare him the right way, you can still do that. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the, you're not... Uh, with with like Michael Penix at Washington, you're not catching anybody by surprise. They know what you're going to do, and he's just he's good enough to make those plays anyway. That's what you need to do. Logan Bonner was not catching teams by surprise. There were, you know, 25 years worth of tape on him at that point. By the time he was playing at Utah State, it was not a <laughs> yeah. surprise what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, looks like Logan Bonner, sure enough. And yeah. uh, you just it's about execution at that point. And but uh, yeah, I, I think that that is fair in the context of this game. I do want to talk about what McKay did here a little bit. I'm going to write a film yeah, review on yeah. it. I'm going to write a feature on it this week. Um, it's the full McKay package as, as I think probably is, is merited. Um, I was, I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. I think Blake was as well, just from you know hearing what he had to say. There were some throws that he made. There were some mistakes he made. He took four sacks and I think some of those were on him. Some of those were on the offensive line, which was, shaky 
Um, I think the the worst defender came out of the game after five snaps and Ralph Frias. I would be surprised if you see him again this year because he's just not quick enough to play that position. Um, but, you know, he, he made some mistakes in, in setting protections. He made some mistakes you would expect a true freshman to make. He missed some guys who he would have liked to hit. He had a couple throws high. I think that's a jittery thing uh, stepping into the game. But he, the the good, the moments of, of, you know, the flashes of great play, the flashes of great throws, it, the ceiling is high. The ceiling is very, very, very high if this game is an indication because you have some throws in this game that we just have not seen Utah State make or even really try in a while. You know, you, you have him coming out. I think it was the, the first drive, second throw that he made or something like that. Um, let me get it. Yeah, yeah. Second throw that he makes is that post to uh, to Jalen Royals for 20 yards. Just right on time, no hesitation. He was open. He threw it. Uh, you get a little bit later on in the game, into the second half. He executed a flood concept. I'm going off the dome here, so if I'm remembering incorrectly, I apologize. But uh, flood concept to Terrell Vaughn for 21. He was the he was the outbreaking second level throw. It was perfect. It was right on time. Um, you have him a little bit later on, 24 yards to Micah Davis. A really really tight window on a post fits it in there against double coverage. Couldn't have put it in any other spot. Um, you have him, you know, the, 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 I think his best throw of the game was his back shoulder nine yard touchdown to Jalen Royals. Um, that was, I mean, it was perfect. It was a perfect throw. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot say it any other way. You can't, you can't throw that ball better than he did. You can't time it better than he did. Jalen Royals was not open when he threw it. That is an anticipation throw. That is a trust throw that we have not seen within this offense in a while. You you got to have confidence as a quarterback in this system. It doesn't work if you don't. It doesn't work if you're not willing to put the ball out there, even if your guy doesn't look open and trust him to go make a play. That ball was absolutely perfect, and Jalen Royals came down with it. Um, there were a lot of throws like that. There were a lot of throws where it's just like, you know, snap, snap, snap. That's what the offense is supposed to look like. Hitting these throws, not hesitating, putting the ball to space rather than to an open player. That's the way that they coach it is you throw to grass. You don't throw to a guy. Um, and he did it. He did it comfortably. He's done it before. He has experience doing it. He, he ran a similar system for three years as a starter at you know in high school. He was really good at it there too. Um, you can see it with him. You can see the confidence. You can see him you know, beaming a pass across the middle to Colby Bowman that should have been caught for a touchdown. You can see him hitting those tight window throws. You can see him going through his progressions, facing pressure, delivering a touchdown pass to Micah Davis. Um, I, I think at his, you know, at his worst, you see a true freshman who's learning on the fly. At his best, you see a really, really, really unbelievably talented quarterback who fits the offense extremely well when he's playing, you know, at the level that he's capable of playing. And you see exactly what Blake Anderson sees. Um, I was I was extremely impressed with what he was able to do back there on you know on limited reps, uh, on on short notice. I thought he looked tremendous for the situation. Yeah, I I couldn't be I couldn't be more in agreement with that. As a third string guy coming in with twenty percent of the reps, I mean, like you said, there were there were moments, there were flashes where he looked elite. Yeah, uh, he made he made a couple of passes uh, that were like junior senior level good like yeah. he was he was really good um and really it seemed in in limited play time it does seem like he has you know you mentioned high ceiling 
I'd say at this point, he almost looks like he has a pretty uh, high floor as well. I mean, I think we know what we're getting in, getting out yeah. of this guy. Um, obviously, that can change on a dime. Uh, it's it's he's he's playing with the big boys now. He's playing with the ones. Yeah. Um, but he didn't seem to have a lot of downside. Like you said, at worst, he's uh, he's a true freshman who's undersized and uh, is is a good fit. Um, best case, he is an elite quarterback who's a great fit. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really, really optimistic. And, you know, like I said, we're not going to have to wait long to see what McKay is made of and, and if Blake knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, you really don't have that many easy games coming in. I mean, you have a really tough one this week that McKay's going to – we're going to know. And and Blake, I mean, this is uh, – like I said, he's wearing a lot of hats and he, he knows what's on the line if he gets it done versus if he doesn't. Yep. Um, we don't we don't need to get into that right now, but we all know we yeah. all know what that means. Um, so Blake's wearing a lot of hats. McKay has a ample opportunity. We're going to see in short order, um, and I I would be very optimistic, and I would I would um, you know encourage fans to leave their uh, their reservations aside. I, look, Cooper is a great guy. We all get that, but we uh, we have reason to be excited about McKay Hillstead, especially as a freshman. Uh, this is there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the high floor thing is something that I will mention here real quick as well. I pulled this for the stat book. He was 11 of 12 on throws within nine yards and behind the line of scrimmage for 79 yards and a touchdown. That's great. That's great. That's, that's, that's part of the offense. And you see what it can do for the flow of the offense when he is, he's hitting those, those little underneath routes to Terrell Vaughn, when he's hitting them to Brock Lane, who was involved. <laughs> they, they involved the tight end in the passing game. Brock Lane had four yeah, receptions. Finally, he, was, yeah. he was part of the passing game. He was there. Like he, <laughs> he got the ball to it. He, he, he caught passes. He had four receptions for 36 yards. He was a target underneath. He was reliable. Um, they need that. They need that within the offense, and Hillstead was willing to make those throws. Um, he was 12 of 15 across the middle of the field, which is the hardest place to throw to, uh, for 112 yards and two scores. That's really impressive from a freshman, and it is just, you know, a big part of it is just, yeah, he's working within the system. He's working within what he's supposed to do. He's making the reads that he's supposed to make, and it it looks good because that's how it's supposed to look. It's how it's designed to look. And there were things certainly to clean up. There's protection issues, I think, quite a few of them. Um, there are just freshman mistakes that you got to fix. But if he can execute like that, it completely changes the way that Utah State can play offense. Um, defensively, do you have any any big thoughts here as we as we get to the the back half of this? I'll say this on the defense. Um, like I said, the, the one thing I was frustrated with the whole game was uh, Blake Anderson's play call, and it was really reserved for that one drive that we stalled out with Levi. Yeah. Um, not upset. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed is, is what I'll say about the defense. I uh, I think they're they're better than what they showed on, on Friday. Um, I have some questions. I think you, uh, let's talk about this real quick before we get into how they look. Uh, what's going on with Switz? Is he is he not healthy? Was it a? Um, I I don't see him. He didn't play at all in the first quarter. Anthony Switzer, um, definitely on some sort of snap count. Do you have the the details on that? 
Yeah, so Blake didn't talk about this in the post-game press conference, but he did mention it on Monday. Um, Switzer only played 23 snaps per PFF. That was an injury thing. He didn't practice all week. He had been non-contact. Um, I don't know what the injury is. I have seen it rumored as a concussion. I would be um, concerned about that if that is the case and about you know if he was healthy enough to play on on Friday. Uh, they, yeah. they put him in the game. Yeah. They, they said they checked on him after every possession. He was fine. Um, he's listed as full go this week. He should be healthy and back in the lineup. Um, regardless of what the injury was that did hold him, that did hold him out, uh, they missed him. They missed him really, really badly. The they defense did, yeah. was just out of sorts for the entire first quarter. And then pretty much as soon as he comes back into the game, they settled down. They were not perfect, but you can see the inexperience. You can see the lack of you know, just reps against the option. You can see that Jaden Francois and, and, and Simeon Harris, who I think both had really rough games, just hadn't seen this before and didn't know exactly where they should be. A lot of the defense, you can say the same thing. Um, I have more structural concerns about a defensive line that just got pushed around pretty consistently. That can't happen. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of new faces in this defense. You got Cole Joyce taking the majority of the snaps next to MJ Tafisi, which is interesting. I did not... I thought it would be Gavin Barfield, but it looked like it's Cole Joyce moving forward, at least in this game. Um, you you got guys throughout the defense who have not seen this before and just weren't really ready to go. The physicality was not where it needed to be. Switzer helped them calm down, but there are... this was It was disappointing. It was disappointing, I think, with the physicality. It was disappointing with the discipline. The tackling was not what it had been. Um, this was not as strong a performance from the defense as it had been against Iowa, you know, which was the, the comparison point for trying to stop a powerful downhill rushing attack. And Air Force obviously does things very differently. Air Force's rushing attack and offense is unique on this schedule and unique in college football. But it's still just there were there were inexperience and, and mistakes and missed tackles and a lack of physicality that was certainly... Uh, disappointing and I don't think can be attributed entirely to a lack of Anthony Switzer. Having him on the field made a big difference and not having him on the field made a big difference, but he's not the only, it was not the only thing there. There were just missed tackles that you can't have mistakes that you can't have. Yeah. So as far as Switzer goes, I'm, uh, I, yeah, I really hope that he was ready to play and a hundred percent. If it was a concussion, I'm, really uh, questioning Blake's judgment to let him out there because that yeah. seems like one of those things where it's either he's in or he's out. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned there. Hopefully he's okay just from like as a as a person. I hope he's 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 ready to go. Yeah. Um, but certainly you could see the difference when he's on the field and off the field. So I hope he is ready to go this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the good news about this game and this defense is that this game's behind us. That that really is when it comes down to it. That's the good news. Yep. Um, they mentioned it on the broadcast. I mean, these guys have been taking time out of every practice to prepare for the option. A, it didn't work. B, it's a waste <laughs> of practice time. We, just now we can move on and put that behind us. Um, Air Force is one of those teams. I think we probably mentioned Air Force leading into this, you know, almost on every show because they're a team that will haunt you until you play them. I'm very Utah State should be very grateful that traditionally we open up our season, our conference play against these guys, um, because they will haunt you until you play them. And if you let them, uh, we mentioned the the you know the health concerns last week. Um, if you let them, if you go in and, and you're not prepared, they it, it is a game that you're um, a little bit prone to maybe get injured. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, that didn't happen. But this is a team that can haunt you before and after uh, they play you. I think at this point we 
we can avoid the being haunted afterwards. We can move on, but but man, I'm just glad it's over. Utah State needs to be able to put this one behind them. Like I've said before, we have a tough one this week. The conference is uh, is wide open, but there are some some tests that, yeah. that we're going to have in this conference. So you just got to move forward. I I don't really know. There there was a lot of question marks, but we we got to move forward from this game. This game was not. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, this game was not not pretty on either side of the ball. Um, the offense at least has kind of uh, an excuse. I'll say they had clearly uh, a bigger thing going on with the quarterback switching and um, and in the play calling, but defense no excuse to get pushed around like this. Um, it was bad. It was uh, it was definitely something we we need to bounce back from. Yep, and, and fast. Yep, and it's not going to get any easier because James Madison, man, we're going to talk about it on the preview. That is an impressive program. That is an impressive, yes. impressive football program. Um, yep. the, the, there's no taking those guys lightly. They are <laughs> they are as good as you're going to see in the group of five, and they are just uh, yeah. It, it is a it is a challenge and a half. It is a big, big, big time game and a big challenge for a young team. So we'll talk about that later in this week on the preview show. Um, before we get out of here, let's talk about the Mountain West. Crazy weekend in the Mountain West. Some really good results, some not so good results. I think in general, it was a pretty good week for the conference. You know, there are some games that you'd like to have that they didn't get. Uh, but there are also some, some results, even in losses, that I think were encouraging for teams that we didn't think super highly of. And we're going to start with one of those games. And a game that I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positive to take from. There are also some things that I have that I take issue with <laughs> within this game, and that would be, of course, in double overtime in Boulder, Colorado 43, Colorado State 35. Um, can't say enough positive about Colorado State's performance here. I thought that their their offense was tremendous. You know, Torrey Horton, Lewis Brown, obviously are who they are. Um, I thought Braden Fowler, Nicolosi looked fantastic. Um, not going to say, I'm not going to fully say we told you so with that one, but we did say on this podcast, hey, maybe it's time to go away from Clay Millen. Um, probably was time to go away from Clay Mill- Millen about uh, 9, 10, 11 months ago. But what are you going to do? They've done it now, and he stepped up in a big way. Um, my issue here is just that Jay Norvell blew this game. Jay Norvell could have won this game, and he didn't want to. He chose not to um, with uh, taking the ball out of his team's hands, with playing extremely conservatively basically in the last two three minutes of this game, and Colorado State lost for it. Um, that was a bummer. That was a real bummer. They, they should have won this game, and they, they just their coach took the opportunity away from them, really. Yeah, the Rams were on the, on the verge of basically, I mean, a I don't want to get carried away, but I mean, a program defining yeah. win. They, at they the need very it. At least a season defining win. Yeah. Um, and they, they snatched the beat from the jaws of victory. Um, it was, it was frustrating for sure to watch the end of that game. Um, I will say, I mean, this, this can go both ways, but I will say Colorado State got up for that game. They were ready to play. Yeah. Um, the thing, the thing about that game though is, can you replicate that? Can can Colorado State put that target on every opponent? There's no way. Uh, no. Th- th- there was clearly some uh, some emotion going on in that game that they can't replicate. Um, Colorado State, that was the most competent Colorado State I've seen maybe ever, at least in years. <laughs> it's been uh, a for minute. the first, yeah, for the first, you know, other than the last two minutes in the double overtime, they were. Uh, that was the most efficient offense we've seen. The defense was tough. So 
that would be concerning as a Utah State fan. But again, I don't know that they can get up for that every every week. That that kind of emotion is it's exhausting. So yeah, uh, a lot to be excited for as, as for Rams as you know the Rams fans, uh, tons to be excited for. Definitely disappointing to to lose that game. They had it. They should have won the game. Yeah, uh, Jay Jay Norvell, as you mentioned just not in a position to trust his team and again like, can you blame him like they haven't been good yet. they haven't proven anything yeah but yes he's and the coach he's gotta yeah, yeah he's he's gotta trust the guys yeah players make plays uh so definitely disappointing but it'll be really fun to see uh, what Colorado State does and you know they're 0-2 at the end of the day but man they played they played like possibly the best team in the conference at times in that game we'll see if they can replicate that yeah, and it is you know you you can be of two minds of it like like you know I can look at Colorado State and I can say from my chair my podcasting chair yeah I don't trust these guys <laughs> right like yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't but, I'm not but, paid to trust but, them. but guess yeah. what it's not my job to trust them I didn't yeah. get uh, I didn't get pulled away from a different Mountain West school to trust those guys that's not my job I'm not getting paid a lot of money to do that. If Jay Norvell doesn't trust them, who's going to? You know, if if your coach yeah. isn't confident in you, who's going to be confident in you? And how could you be confident as a player? Um, they played about as well as they possibly could have for 58 minutes here. I don't know what more he needed to see to put the ball back in their hands. They had fourth and two on the Colorado side of the 50. They had an eight point lead. There's no, there's, I mean, there's no risk in going for it. The risk is that Colorado State or that Colorado drives down and ties the game and sends it to overtime, which they're probably going to do anyway. If you get the first down, the game is over. If you don't get the first down, it doesn't matter where Colorado gets the ball. You have lost momentum and this game is going to overtime. It is, it is a, like, you know, you can say, oh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a hindsight decision, but like, with how well those guys were playing, Give them the chance to win the game. Give them the chance yeah, to go out and. It shouldn't and, have been a hindsight decision. It should have been made at the time. Yeah, you know? be confident. Look at how good they played. I mean, they were up twenty-eight twenty on a ranked team on a on a on a rival. They had been fully up for it. The offense had been excellent. Tory Horton, Dallin Holker, um, they had been making plays. Let your guys go make a play. It's fourth and two, man. It's two yards, and and, and yeah. it was it Come was two on. yards yeah. again in overtime when they scored to tie the game or scored to to go down by one and had the chance to go for two and try to in the game and in, in in first overtime and they kick a field goal like you're gonna have to get two eventually the rules of football are such now eventually you need two you need a two-point conversion if you go to second overtime you're gonna need that two-point conversion if you go to third it's all two-point conversions just get it then get it on your own terms and in the game and if you don't get it then guess what you went out on your sword and it's fine you weren't expected to win the game um, I hated it. I, I hated I hated yeah. taking it away from his players. Um, I, I felt awful yeah. for those guys. I think they deserved more than they got here. Um, you gotta you gotta trust your guys, man. You you gotta trust your guys because if you don't, nobody's going to. Um, yeah, that that 100%. bummed me out. They deserved better than they got from their coach here. A hundred percent. And like going with that, I mean, like you said, it's easy to sit here where I'm at and not trust those guys. Yeah. I'm not the one that put the team together. Yeah. I'm not the one that recruited yeah. the guys. I'm not yeah. the guys who, that sat. Who sent those yeah. guys out there? Who did that? Who was yeah. responsible for those those 11 I offensive didn't, players? I didn't sit in the kids' yeah. living room and tell them to come play for yeah. us. Hey, you know? who, so, who designed the play that would get two yards? Yeah. It's not like – yeah. tr- trust yourself. Trust your own – you're an offensive guy. Jay Norvell has called a lot of offensive plays. You don't have one that can get two yards? Come on. Yeah. So that could be an issue. And that, that honestly might be something to kind of monitor. Like if he doesn't it's, trust his guys. That has been an uh, issue. Be a, yeah. You look at all those close losses issue. last year. It has been an issue. Yep. <laughs> yep it has been. And it, it, Colorado State is one of those teams like they are on the verge of turning a corner. Yeah. 
if Jay Norvell will let himself turn that corner. You know, it, it really is going to come down to whether he trusts himself and his team. Yeah. Uh, if he does, they could be dangerous. They showed yesterday. They or they showed this past weekend. They can be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, if they want to be. If they don't want to be, uh, I'll gladly keep beating them every year. But yeah, watch out. If they can figure it out, watch out. Yeah, they've got talent. They just need to let it go. Um, next up here. <laughs> Another Mountain West Pac-12 game. I laugh because this was this was really absurd. Uh, Fresno State yeah, 29, yeah. Arizona State zero. Just a beating. Just a total beating. They it was it was uh, it was not competitive at all. I mean, great win for Fresno State. Impressive showing, but man, they uh, they ran them right off the field. They ran them off their home field. It was it was it was impressive. Yeah, I mean, talk about watch out. These guys are. <sighs> Oh my gosh, they're legit. Yeah. And like, um, I don't think Fresno Arizona State, State is that good, but still, this is a Power no. Five team on their home field, and yeah. you beat them by twenty nine yeah. and shut them out. For sure, as uh, yeah, Arizona State is not, you know, and again, like Purdue is not a, a powerhouse right now, but it's still a power team, you know. So, yeah. like Fresno State is becoming the uh, the Grim Reaper meme, where it's just going door to door, just knocking off Power Five opponents uh, in really convincing fashion. Um, they beat their power five con- opponents more convincingly than they beat non-power five opponents. They struggled last week against, uh, was it Eastern Washington? Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Fresno State, the, the only surprise I have about this game is the fact that they're not ranked in the top 25. That, to me, is a little bit shocking. Yeah. Definitely getting snubbed. I don't know who you take out of the top 25, but, man, these Bulldogs are uh, <laughs> they're legit. They are... I don't know if I see a loss on their schedule the way I see it now. They're they're legit. They are going to be fun. So, yep. yep. They're awesome. Next up, UNLV 40, Vanderbilt 37. Uh, Vanderbilt blew this here down the stretch. They gave UNLV a free timeout and set up the game-winning field goal. But uh, great, great win for UNLV. They went out and got it done with a backup quarterback. Um, good for them. Program win. They, they needed to get this done, and they did. Huge win. Yep. Uh, maybe, yeah. Um, like I said with the Colorado State, Colorado game, maybe program defining, maybe not, but certainly something that's going to define this season. Yeah. Um, UNLV has it. something brewing. Um, huge, huge win. Huge yep. win. Should define the season. Really sets a sets a good tone, sets a good pace for the Reds. Um, again, I'm just I'm excited to see what these guys can do too. They're they're seriously a different beast than they have been in the past, and uh they, they look ready to play. SEC opponent, it's never something to to uh, turn your nose up at uh, it's this was a big win no matter how you slice it I don't care that it's Vanderbilt I don't care it, it's an SEC win huge win for the Rebs at home yeah and I will say just real quick Ricky White big time player that is a big 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 time player they've got out there at yep. wide receiver he yeah is, he is a dude yep. um, Kansas 31 Nevada 24 uh, competitive they kept it close you know what they had the ball with a chance to tie at the end of the game I you, there's a lot you could say about what this box score says compared to what the final score says, and that that maybe wasn't quite as close as the final score says. But for Nevada, it, that doesn't matter right now. You kept it close against a good team. That's fine. Uh, you know what? You'll yeah, take, you'll take yeah. it. This is a lot better than what they did last week. Yeah, if you're Nevada, go ahead and you know bring on the confetti. This is a win. <laughs> this is awesome. Hang the banner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hang, hang the banner. Uh, this is about as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> all season long unless i see some major changes in that in that program but yeah very competitive i did not expect this game to be competitive whatsoever props to the wolf pack maybe uh maybe at some point this year they pick up a win and make me eat my words uh, yeah. i hope they do but yeah surprisingly competitive 
like you said, if you look too closely, maybe not so much, but props to the Wolfpack, hitting the banner. Let's do yep. it. Yep, Texas 31, Wyoming 10. This was close going into the fourth quarter, and then Texas pulls away late. Wyoming without Andrew Peasley at quarterback. I thought Evan Svoboda handled himself really well given the situation. They just ran out of gas here at the end. Um, it's, it's too bad that they weren't able to, to pull this out because they it was a game into the fourth quarter. It was a yep. game. Yep. I thought they were really impressive without their, their top guy behind center. They just they don't have the offensive juice to, to withstand that sort of thing against a you know a, a quality opponent like this. Yeah, so where Kansas-Nevada was maybe uh, the score was deceptively close, this is the exact opposite. Yeah, uh, This game was a lot closer and a lot more competitive than the final score would, would indicate. Uh, and the fact that Wyoming was able to prevent Texas from even finding a rhythm until the fourth quarter is huge. Yeah, um, Wyoming is absolutely every bit as good as I think we thought they were coming into this. Um, yeah. Missed opportunity to just do the absolute funniest thing ever, but – Honestly, going into this game, it was tied 10-10 going into the fourth quarter, I believe. Yeah. Awesome. Just awesome performance by the Pokes. Not quite enough to get it done. But, I mean, this is a game that Texas is just – they're going to win, right? It's it's the fashion in which Wyoming made Texas win, just preventing them from getting anything going on offense, really just being pesky and annoying and, and difficult and strong, a very, very impressive showing. The pokes are going to be uh, pretty dangerous, and yep. again, with with out their starting quarterback. So yep. props to the pokes as well. Yep, that is a, a good Wyoming team. A sign, a sign of a good Wyoming team under Craig Bowl is that they make it hurt even when they lose, um, and they absolutely did. This was not a fun evening at all for Texas. Good for good for Wyoming. They did what they were supposed to do, and and probably even a yeah. little bit more than that. Um, impressed yeah. with their physicality. Impressed with that team. Uh, Oregon State twenty six, San Diego State nine. Just nothing going on here for the Aztecs. I don't have a whole lot. I thought their defense played pretty well, honestly, given the circumstances. But just nothing going on here. Yeah, this is what we have started to expect from the San Diego State team. Clearly, yeah. some issues there. Um, they just don't finish drives at all. They're just yeah. not capable of finishing drives. It's uh, they've got some structural problems. I think. Yep, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they kind of figure out what their season's going to look like. But right now, I'm not optimistic if I'm an Aztecs fan. Yeah, Toledo 21, San Jose State 17. Honestly, I think a pretty good performance from San Jose State against a very good Toledo team could have won this one if not for a pick six. Um, you know, you, it's it's a bummer that they weren't able to pull it off. I think that they would have really. You know, this is a game that they could have won, but. Uh, in terms of their performance, in terms of just what they did here in a you know in a tough game, I thought they acquainted themselves pretty pretty nicely, and I think that they are uh, firmly in the middle pack of the Mountain West and can can beat a lot of teams that they play. Yeah, this one hurts a little bit uh, if you're if you're San Jose State, uh, like you said, probably puts them firmly in the middle of the pack. If you look at their schedule, losing to USC, losing to Oregon State, beating Cal Poly. Um, they've kind of just gone chalk up until this point in the season. This was a, a game that they really could have defined themselves as, uh, you know, a higher level group of five team. They yeah. failed to do that. I do think it hurts. They had a chance. They just couldn't pull it off. But um, I would say, yeah, middle to bottom of the of the pack in the Mountain West right now, I think we're starting to see a clear top tier and a clear bottom tier. The middle gets very, very muddy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I still don't have a power rankings. I'll probably – have more uh, you know a structured ranking after like next next week probably but uh, the middle of the pack gets really muddy and the Spartans are somewhere in there. Yeah, something I will say to their credit against a very good quarterback in DeQuan Finn, they were excellent. They they shut him down. Thirteen of twenty three passing for ninety two yards. That's about as good as you're going to do against that guy. 
um, good for that defense. I think the defense is getting better as the season goes on. They're they're growing into the into the year a little bit. Uh, Boise State forty two, North Dakota eighteen. It was close going into the fourth quarter, and then Boise State pulls away. Nothing here that changes any of my views <laughs> on Boise State. Just they they didn't lose. They 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 did what they were supposed to do. They didn't do a whole lot more than that. Yep, didn't didn't lose. Did what you're supposed to. Uh, I was closer for probably longer than than the Broncos would have liked it to be, but I'm not I'm not concerned about that. It is a yeah. team that you're you're not trying to blow these guys out. You're really just using this as a get right game. You don't want to go into the playbook. You don't want to try anything crafty. So, um, I yeah, this this game went uh, in a way that is not a surprise at all. They did what they needed to do. Again the real test is going to be in the weeks coming up with Boise state. I still think they have some structural issues, but you know, they're also a team that could use this to bounce back and really turn the corner and then get back to vintage Bronco form. So yeah. we'll see if they can do that. If not, there could be some issues brewing, uh, you know, mid season for these guys. Yeah. Last two here. I don't have a ton of thoughts on either of these New Mexico state, 27, New Mexico, 17 and Oregon 55, Hawaii 10. Yeah. Chalk, uh, chalk, not, not really surprising in either way. Would have liked to see New Mexico do a little bit more in a rivalry game, but ultimately I think the better team won both of these. Yeah, definitely. I, I have nothing to add on that Oregon-Hawaii game. That's what that's what Hawaii is signing up to do, that, you know, get yep. your paycheck get paid. and yep. come home. Just, um, just, just get out of there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get paid, get uh, get paid, stay healthy is, is kind of the motto of Hawaii season so far. Yeah. Um, they have not impressed me yet at all. Um, moving back to New Mexico, New Mexico State, yeah, you know what? That's a game that they should win. The better team, the better <laughs> team won. Yeah, but should New Mexico State be the better team? Absolutely not. New Mexico is in a higher level conference. They're the flagship school of that state, where New Mexico State is is not. I mean, New Mexico has no business being the worst program. However, they are right now. They did about what they were supposed to, but um, really just continued disappointment in the New Mexico program. I'd love to see. Um, Love to see more out of them yeah. going forward, whether it's this season or in the coming years. They have they have work to do. Yeah, I think that this is a uh, I would say a look in the mirror game, you know, and and we kind of knew that it that it would be. You're getting pretty far into the Danny Gonzalez tenure here, and he's losing by ten points to a CUSA team, um, and and Jerry kills in year two at New Mexico State, and he's done an excellent job there. He's taken him to a bowl game, but what is what's different there? What's different in Las Cruces that you can't do in Albuquerque? There's nothing. There's there shouldn't be an advantage for New Mexico State. I think the the primary advantage is that they have a better coach, and if you're New Mexico, I think it is very much a uh, it's another look in the mirror game. <laughs> They've had a lot of these. They've had a lot of these where it's just like, what are we doing here? You know, what what's the what's the product of these four years that you've had building? I think that this is coming to a conclusion pretty soon. I would guess, and I think New Mexico is going to be starting over again. And it's just you know, it's where this program has been. Uh, really since they had a couple pretty good years under Bob Davey. They've, they've not been able to rediscover that energy. Um, and they're just, yeah, they're not in a good, they're not in a good place right now. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's getting better. Yeah. It looks like it's just more of the same rinse and repeat down there. Yep. Um, you know, on the bright side for New Mexico, their hoops finally does seem to be waking up, but that's about the only good thing that school has going for them right now in terms of, uh, you know, the, the flagship or revenue sports yeah um definitely some work to do on the football side of things and it might might mean uh, a coaching change we will see 
Yeah. Um, pretty, what pretty, they, what they do. Pretty country out there. They have that. They've got, they've got the great outdoors. If you just, yeah. <laughs> especially <laughs> this time of year, it's getting a little bit cooler. Maybe just go for a hike on Saturday. You don't need to, <laughs> don't need to worry about, don't need to worry yeah. about what's happening on the football field. That's the best yeah, thing they've got right now. Enjoy the, enjoy the outdoors. It's beautiful. Down yeah. There. Yeah. They're getting lots of fresh air and exercise in, in Albuquerque. And that's about the best <laughs> you can say about this, uh, this team. All right. Yeah. That'll do it for us here, Parker, unless you have anything else. Um, that's all I have. I think the I think we had a lot of questions coming into this show. Uh, I think Utah State fans have uh, justifiably a lot of questions about this team. So I think we got to just about everything that we could. Yeah. Um, I think the, that that just about does it. Yep. All right. We'll talk to you all on the preview. Um, yeah. We'll see you guys soon.